and welcome back to the High Five Podcast with Darren and Duncan. And I'm Darren. I'm Duncan. And uh, for those who uh, listen to us, uh, you guys know we always start off with uh, updating you guys with our, our current audio situation or what's on our minds. Yeah. What's on your mind, man? What's been going on? Uh, let's see. Well, you and I have been working on those amps, but we could talk about that in a minute. Um, just, just with me... Uh, I started work on this uh, album for this band, and um, and it's great. You know, uh, every time I get a project to master, um, I don't know, I throw it on uh, my systems, and a lot of times, you know, I wouldn't call it a panic, but it's like, you know, immediately my brain goes to start thinking about what I want to do to it or what 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 I don't like about it, what I would have done different or something like that. And I just start going in like, like, man, I wish this was different. But, um, you know, in this case, um, this is a, a band that I work kind of closely with on the recordings. Well, kind of closely on the recording side. I, I offer some advice when it's asked for and that kind of thing. And, and, um, I just remember being a recordist, uh, where I was doing everything, recording and mixing and mastering everything. And I, and it was this process for me where I, I, uh, just slowly learned what things I, I, what mistakes to avoid so that when I got to the mastering process, I could really kind of do what I wanted and not, um, and not kind of have to do too much in the mastering side. And, and, um, so there's always this, you know, whenever you're mastering for somebody else's recording, you know, you didn't, I didn't record it. And, um, and so there's, there's things that I need to, to do, which is good because that, you know, that's, that's my role is to make it the final product, um, that's going to go to print and sometimes there's like there's a lot to do and sometimes there's not as much to do right right right. and you prefer to like not touch it as much as you have to right right? and and just and just kind of change change a a little bit so that it's and and kind of smooth everything out and maybe make sure that everything is you know usually a band has an album or two or an artist in mind that they want to emulate. And so, you know, getting it to that point is usually like the, the role of the mastering engineer where you can, you can say, okay, I'll take, I'll take what you've done and and Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll try to get it to have this sonic signature that in this case, for example, Gregory Allen Isaacoff albums have, you know, that's kind of what we're trying to hit with this one. Um, you know, but sometimes you get stuff that, that, uh, you know, some levels too high. I mean, you can go back to the master mixing engineer and say, you know, just send me new mixes. Like, but that's a lot of work that he's got to do is unpeel a lot of stuff and go back into the original track. So generally you try to just, um, see what you can do. And, uh, and that's what I'm doing in this case. And honestly, um, after I started working on it, uh, you know, all of that, just kind of melted away because I realized that I definitely have all the tools to kind of do what I want and bring it to to that place. Um, one cool thing: this is a this is a band that's um, that's pretty stripped down and and authentic and kind of home home brewed and that kind of thing. And so, you know, for several of their albums, they've done their own recordings. And um, this year, though, they got themselves a. a, a awesome Neumann microphone for, for vocals and tracking and, and different 
you know, parts of it. And it really shows like there's a depth to his vocals that, you know, I love this guy's voice and there's a depth to his vocals that I wasn't there before. That's cool. Um, yeah. And so I'm finding that, you know, as I process it and work through it, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really fleshing out some of the greatest parts of his voice and, um, and I'm really enjoying it. Like I did a rough, you know, uh, master for myself of a few tracks and I've been listening to it here and there on, on a few different things. And, um, yeah, it just shows up his, the, the, the real subtleties of his voice. And, and he, he just has such a great voice, this, this great, uh, um, body and, and, and subtleties on top. Um, and that stuff's all just coming out really nicely and holding together, uh, even though, you know, one of the things that I'm doing is bringing up it up to a level that's, that's, uh, you know, uh, like appropriate for that genre and, uh, and appropriate for like what, for example, Isaac Hoff is doing, um, you know, cause you want to, you know, be listening to an Isaac Hoff album and then put on this album and it's kind of like a, a seamless thing. It's, it's not, I'm not going into, Oh, I I need to put 12 DB or 18 DB of dynamic headroom on this. You know, Isaac Hoff's more like eight, you know, and, and, and that's good, you know, maybe even six in some, some albums, maybe less at moments. So, you know, it's a balancing act. Um, well, I just think this this microphone added a lot to the mix. Mm. Um, but this year they 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 used to have a tr- cello player, and this year they have a upright bass player. And I I gave a recommendation about how I like to record upright bass, and he followed that. Um, and so that's great. The bass is uh, nice and even, no no kind of resonant notes. You know, they're they're recording in a, a smaller, probably damped environment. They're not they're not kind of going out to their nearby church and and trying to get a natural reverb that that is great but you can't really control you know what i mean and then uh and then they're adding some uh some reverb here and there on the um on the, at the mixing stage so yeah it's uh it's good just one of my favorite things about it it's just that that the um sorry i got to put my phone on mute that the uh the vocals just like have such character and uh so I did a rough mix and it it sounded good. I've identified a few things I want to peel back and uh change um about my EQ. I like to I like to use really transparent stuff. I I use a, a parallel EQ. Um I use parallel compression. Um parallel compression is great. It's like you this this program lays the track over itself and then we'll just subtract from the laid over version so it's never necessarily boosting that original track it's just it's just taking away from the from the added so that you know at the quiet parts you get a doubling of the original and it's it's very transparent it's quiet um and uh and i you know a couple other things there's this soft clipper compression that i like um that just adds a, a, a little of like bite to something if if it's got if it's a little woolly if it comes to me a little woolly um you know and dark and so yeah um just trying to make subtle touches as subtle as i can be and then uh and then maximize what he's trying to do what's interesting about these tracks is that every single one starts small and gets big at the end and that's actually a challenge you know Mm -hmm. um 
a lot of times mix engineers will send you stuff that is that is almost ready to go like ready to 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 print and this stuff is is a lot more uh raw and uh hasn't had anything done to it and so yeah what you were referring to is that it was essentially uncompressed completely yeah yeah Yeah. so the waveform starts really small and it and and they build into these crescendos so that can actually Mm -hmm. be a real challenge you know because when the crescendo hits um, you have to be okay with with it kind of, you know, being being more maxed out than than any other places. You know, that's that's when it gets um, sort of maxed out. I, I never let it go too much, but what what I have to do is start carving out like uh, little portions of the the frequency range that might take a lot of energy and and fill that bandwidth quickly. Um, sometimes in just moments, you know, when there's like, they're at, they're on a crescendo and the vocal hits, it's a little bit more of a, of a hit, you know, I've got to kind of like duck that in, in, in a low frequency range where you won't even notice it type of thing, but it'll allow it to kind of like seamlessly work. So it's cool. It's interesting. It's challenging. It's, it's rewarding. Um, the last album we did, I, I still listen to all the time. It's a great album. Um, I can so, yeah. imagine that the the balance when it comes to you know compressing a track like you just described like get striking the balance correctly is is rather difficult. Oh, for sure. Of of just uh, yeah, you know, second guessing it or or just you know trying to view it as an artistic whole and knowing whether that compression is adding or subtracting from it yeah and you have to listen because a lot of compressors will change the character of it as they're compressing it and you just don't want it to get shrill at any moments and kind of lose lose its its power it's a real um tightrope walk to to make it still sound open and uh and deep i mean he uses this um kick drum this synthetic kick drum thing that's that's basically a a a kick drum beater onto a uh it's probably a piezoelectric thing or something but it's a it's it's like a um an electronic drum kit trigger or something like that and so and so then he uh i think he uses a sample for this bass drum and it's just it's like an orchestral bass drum like in terms of depth and and bottom like like reaching sound i mean it's not like a a kit you know not not like a dry kit where there's a lot of energy focused toward the hundreds it's like goes way down to 40 you know on this bass drum and then there's reverb on it so so it's like you can't take that away because that's part of the whole sound of the band but that takes up a ton of energy so it's 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 tough yeah yeah it's tough to make it sound good and after you kind of get to a point where you feel good about it um will you take it to like a lesser system you know something that's not your main system would yeah you play it in your car or would you yeah there's a lot have, of have you tried there's a lot of approaches people do here's the thing I like I used to listen to it on like 15 different systems but part of that was because I didn't trust any one of them right completely yeah and I've been able to and fortunate enough to build a system that I trust pretty well mm-hmm. I think I would trust your system even more so I'll probably bring them over here sometime to to um just make sure that that the balances frequency balances are are, are what I think they are but um one thing I noticed when I started 
getting access to or building better systems is that if I make it good, sound really good on a, on a really revealing system, it sounds good everywhere. And I, and I'll do that. I'll take it to the carb and it's just, it's just sort of a confirmation or a reinforcement. It's not, yeah. it's not like when I hear something in the car, I'm going to say, Oh, I need to do this. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, sure, sure, sure. So for example, I, I listened to it walking the dog last night on my Bluetooth earbuds and uh, it sounded really good on my system at home. Um, pretty good. I, I mean, I was doing this quickly. So I was trying to do a quick, quick, uh, rough, rough estimate of what I wanted to do. Listen to it on the Bluetooth headphones and I'm hearing a lot of six kilohertz and I'm just like, oh, on the S's and that kind of thing. And, uh, but I realized, and I'm, you know, at the end of my walk, I'm thinking, okay, these are Bluetooth earbuds. They're earbuds, they're Bluetooth like let's you know let's put on some other systems so i put it in the car it sounds really good um really good uh i bring it to a system my upstairs bedroom system is a little more forward than my system downstairs um and and i was expecting it to cross that just cross that threshold barely of like it's a little too much 4k and 6k and and right as rain i i hear it exactly like that <clears throat> I bring it to work, um, and, and I hear um, it's pretty balanced. It's pretty good, but a little bit much 4K. Right? No, I wasn't hearing the 6K thing anymore. I wasn't hearing the 6K mm-hmm. on my in my system, my room. So now I understand. Okay, so I'm going to bring it back to the Dunlavies and really listen intently for that for that 4K. Did I push it too far with with the bite? Did I get a little too much crunch on it and? Um, I, I think I've identified, yes, that I want to dial that back, but only because, uh, because I had that kind of idea reinforced through, through all these systems, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so it's a slow process. You want to, you want to absolutely get it right. You hope that the, the mixing engineers in this case, in, in other cases, you can't be sure that the same person mixed and recorded all the tracks in the album. So sometimes you have to, you know, um, coming up with a good template for the album doesn't work. It just mm-hmm. works for those tracks that, that fall into that category. But in this case, the same guy did it. He's been spending a lot of time on it. So once I come up with this template, I think that the, then we can apply it to the whole thing. Then, then I can uh, send what I've done to him and, and he'll kind of go thing by thing. I mean, really in, in our last interactions, you know, he'll, he'll say, Oh, I think, you know, this, this S can be brought down or something. And that's, again, that's mixing. That's not, that's not mastering, but I'm willing to do it for him because I just have all these tools sure. and I can do it. So mm-hmm. I've done that. So the, I think that'll be the next, the, the next phase and then it'll be done. So great. Yeah. It's, it's fun. I, I really love creating and, uh, and I love this part of it. I really get a kick out of this band. I think this guy's a, an amazing writer and so, uh, the band is called the Riverside. They're from California and, um, yeah, their their last album was called Snow Giant. That was fun. Uh, we I think we released that one in in January or February or something of this year. Probably January, I think. But uh, great, we'll, we'll release the next one in January. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. That's All great. right, what about you? What have um, you been up to? Lately? Yeah, so uh, you know, I have I have two things. Uh, one is that the subwoofer project that I did um, and 
I, I won't go through the detail of what those subs exactly are. Um, we, we've, we've talked about them a few times in the episode, also on YouTube, on PS Audio, PS Audio's uh, YouTube channel. You can find a video of me describing the project as well. Um, but essentially, they're these large 18-inch uh, subwoofers using pro drivers. Yeah, two of them. Yeah, two of them, and and so at first I was dialing in the crossovers, and finally got to a point where I was somewhat, you know, pretty happy with it. You know, I was pretty happy with it, and and uh, and and then all of a sudden, over the course of a couple of weeks, I just started noticing I just did not have much bass in the room, like the you know the emphasis and and like really those notes that dug really deep that the Dunlavies don't do just kind of disappeared and dwindled a little bit. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, I didn't touch anything in the setup. I didn't change my tubes in my preamp. But, yeah. You know, like what's going on here? And I just thought, well, you know, first thing to do is I guess I'll just like make the subs a little bit louder. louder. I'll bump the amplitude up a little bit on the mini DSP. And it just snapped. Like, Everything just uh, uh, got so good, and the those uh, lower notes came back, but now with a grip and a solidity and a quickness that I did not hear before. And huh. my my uh, my guess to why this is is that yeah, the drivers broke in. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. There are new drivers and. Yeah, I, this there's is a lot I, of machinery there that's that's you know undergoing lots of movement and I assume motor. that uh, you know the compliance of the driver slightly changes yeah. um, from it being brand new to to you know putting some hours on them where you're really moving the driver. That's the other sure. thing. Most of the time they're not even they're not barely moving. So uh, so you're not even you know, the break-in period might be pretty long. And I guess I just struck that, you know, it's just, it's one of those things when it, like a, like a, a break-in phenomenon or like, you know, tube, uh, like tubes, uh, getting worse on you. It, it happens so slowly that you just don't notice it. But hmm. until you hit some threshold or something where that tube gets old enough, where you're kind of thinking, why is my system so shrill? Or yeah. something like what's yeah. going on you know or so so i i think that it just hit some sort of point where they broke in enough for me to notice that somehow i don't know why it affect the level uh, affected the level so right much. we were trying to figure this out on our hike the other yeah, day if anybody has any ideas why that is you know i'm not uh i'm not an expert in speakers uh i i talked to chris about it and he said that you know it's possible to have break in like that on these large drivers um, thinking, but i just had never experienced something where you know i i think i had to bring them up a few db and um and it's uh you know it's just surprising to me but now it's now it's everything i hoped it would it was like yeah. it's sticking so much more to the speaker yeah that's the thing before they were sticking out and then when they yeah. broke in it it you know they were too quiet it's they really, were sticking it's really out. Wild. They were sticking out more before uh, you started messing with the delay. Yeah, and then they started melding in a little bit more. And then I took the delay away. Now I don't have any. Really, yeah. I was I was wondering about that just a minute ago. Yeah, 
because I was listening to a track and I don't remember what you were playing. I don't think it was the album that recommendation of the week, but I think it was a different track. And I was going to describe this to you as it sounds 80% right now at like it's coming from the Dunlavy woofers, but something about those subs being on either side of the couch. Like I still can tell that they're pressurizing uh, like a little yeah. bit. I'm just still so aware. It's of, not to do with the delay. I've messed around with the delay now makes it worse. Do you have yeah. any delay so. to compensate for the, the, um, the DSP or is it just a distance now? This is the only compensation because they are cl- much closer to you than the yeah. Dunlavies. They are. They are. So, so that that's probably enough you think. Well, I mean, goodness, I, it sounds so good right now. So yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I, I when it comes down to, anything. I'm not noticing much of, I'm not noticing it much outside of the speakers. For me, it's pretty much disappeared. I think it's when yeah. the recordings aren't great you really notice that there's something weird and then you notice that it's right beside you. It's, it's, it's odd how that happens with really great recordings with a really flat bottom. Which it's balance. completely in the front. Yeah. We, we, we were listening to some tracks the other day, uh, that were so overwhelmingly high on the sub bass. Like they'd yeah. just been mixed. <laughs> you really notice the level poorly. of bass now. Like yeah. recordings can be lean or, a re- or some recordings can blow you out. Because yeah. uh, a lot of mastering engineers may not even have maybe they don't a have a sub that have this that has this flatness right you know I mean they're literally so they're bumping are, it until they hear it and that's way too much for a flat system yeah. yeah yeah so but generally it's a huge plus and I've I've really I mean it's a very addictive and I I completely forget about the subs I addictive let's talk about that because yeah. the other day you, we were on the walk you're like you know. I have two more of these cabinets yeah. down in yeah, storage. Yeah, why not build up another another probably, pair of 18s? I, like, I wonder you know? what four would sound like. Well, that's the that's problem. The slope. With, You're the on problem the slippery two, slope. The problem with two 18s is it makes you wonder what four is like. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. Two 18s with 1,200 watts each on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, I just, you know, I mean, almost everything for me, it's just the solidity of the bottom and the kick drum impact, it's oh, just yeah. like, there's no going back now. 100%. I, I'm like, I'm ruined. I yeah. uh, I got to admit that you've got me curious what four would sound like. <laughs> <laughs> they have you curious. The 218s oh, yeah. have you curious. Oh, That's yeah. They're saying. so good. Yeah. <laughs> They're so good. So, yeah, that so, project So, yeah, I'm really cool. enjoying that part. And, and the subs have gotten a lot more integrated. I mean, I think in the end... Are they are they the most integrated subs I've ever heard in my life? No. And one of the reasons is probably the fact that they're just so close to me. And I, I think that I think that there are, you know, advantages and disadvantages to that location, that placement. Yeah. And and the advantage is that you you get pressurization and absolute body impact. I mean, you're, 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 it's in your chest, right? Even yeah. at 
moderate volumes, it just feels so much more like you're in the room and or you're in front of the stage. It's coming from the side, so and, it's in your rib cage, really. And and yeah. so it's you know I, I just uh, that's a that's a cool thing. And then also not having to throw as much energy into the room than having the sub on the other side of the room. Well, it takes the room out and of the equation too. It takes it the does, nodes yeah. out of the equation. I mean, you're just exactly. right up on. So if it. I were to place them yeah. behind the speakers, now I'm just relying on the bass modes. Right, basically, and I have to play with the bass notes, and so, you have to move them around. Can't can't be the the it can't be a visual location that you want. It has to work with the room modes. Yeah, so we'll yeah. we'll experiment with with uh, with perhaps location. It's not like dragging around a RAL or a JL. It's it's a huge. <laughs> it's a one day project of even ma- making a location. What change. did you say? It was like five hundred pounds or four hundred. Five hundred sixty pounds of concrete. Of, Per per speaker or for uh, both? No, for both. For both. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. you know, almost three hundred yeah. for each stand that you have these subs on. Correct. And that's is that so including the subs or is that just the concrete? That's just the concrete. Yeah, so that's just yeah. the stand. Yeah. So yeah. So so it's it's interesting. Um, so you know, it's you could I improve integration? Yeah, probably. But I'm still I'm forgetting about them in most recordings, and so I'm really I'm really happy that's about that. That's the ideal. Yeah. Um, and I do think I, I will experiment with location in the room uh, more, uh, but I expect some disadvantages to come in with that too. Yeah. And when you're dealing with this level of energy and this low of frequency, you'll really notice bass notes in the room. Like it'll start standing. And so some yeah. bass lines won't be as continuous as they are. Right now, a bassist can almost just walk it down the fretboard and it's yeah. just even it it's just realistic feels, nothing yeah. sticks out yeah but That's if you have this kind of energy that you're throwing in a room you're gonna get those nodes that are gonna stand and it's just walking down a fretboard you're gonna get those those notes that just stick out and buzz the whole room and yeah and i cr- don't currently have that and i think i pick that right now over absolute integration yeah um so uh so that's going on and then the second thing and it's, i'll make it quick here is that uh, so? You know, I have Dunlavy um, SC4 slash A's, which was the the second iteration of the Dunlavy SC4 loudspeaker. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, I'm getting to the point where I'm curious about upgrading the crossovers. And, yeah. And yeah, um, right. I'm I'm curious about what higher end components and also components that I'm very fond of would uh would sound in them they're popular um, upgrade targets um you know you i've sent you you and i have sent each other what three or four uh audio gone just like long threads where a guy's just like here's what i did did it step by step oh I yeah all these things there are all these other mods too yeah so i and then the other thing is i want to improve the stands i mean i think the stands yeah. are a huge shortcoming of the speaker and it couples to the room yeah, definitely in your room with the with your with the way the floor trampoline is. floor and yeah. then the um, the carpet too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think at base frequencies, carpet really like can take a lot of energy and kind of I don't know, maybe throw it back. I just all my experiences with floors that that do that kind of like hollow sound when you stomp on the them. floor becomes a transducer at its resonant frequency. Yeah, right. And so um, and it, so you know, if you yeah. you don't want to couple to that. And you want to decouple from that floor, 
And in this case... But you don't want to raise the height of the speakers like you did with your subs. You well, can you can raise, raise the subs. height of your listening location, too. Mm, okay. True. So you can adjust for that if you have to. Yeah. Now, that's not what I think I'm going to be doing. I might be ended up, They might end up with like some outriggers and some sorbethanes. Outriggers and maybe yeah. like your own DIY sorbethane or some screw-in like isoacoustics yeah. or something. Yeah, some guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah something like that um, would be... I know that would bring a huge improvement. Um, but right now, I'm really curious about the crossover. Um, and yeah. because of this, I think this kind of rolls in. We had a question that came in um, from a uh, from a listener. Yeah, we'll continue talking. And, about and I this. think that this this very topic that we're talking about right now can uh, is actually uh, 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 really applies to what he's what he asks. So, all right, I'll get to that question in just a second. But okay. also, the third thing that's going on with us is that we spent a good night the other night just pulling resistors, <laughs> clipping resistors, yep. and uh, soldering new stuff in. It's tricky, man. Like, yeah, when you're when you're trying to get upgraded components onto a board that wasn't designed for that size of resistors or whatever, it, you know, it can be a lot to, to solder, to try to just like, you know, it's tough work. It's, it's little, little finger duty and kind of like puts a strain on your back and you're hunched over doing this for a while, but our, our amps are coming along. Yeah, they are. We put it's, in some good, and and you've got some time off this uh, in the next couple of weeks. So we're we're hoping to really push push through and start talking about what these things sound like. So yeah, stay tuned t- for for those impressions. Yep. But, and um, what did we do? We decided we we mentioned on the podcast we decided with Mundorf Supreme caps, mm-hmm. and then we're going to bypass those with Rush Teflon. Uh, the resistor choice I thought was really interesting on your part because you were talking about how you like a variety of resistors, of good resistors, because mm-hmm. too much of one resistor can can kind of like make the sound lean toward that that resistor's kind of characteristics. Yeah, and also the fact that you know you you have to have different types of resistors for different locations different due places to, due yeah. to maybe there's a certain uh, uh quality that you need there like or characteristic in the resistor um and often it's it's power dissipation that's a limitation yeah. sometimes how it's much even wattage voltage can go limitations it. in in really high voltage tube yeah. amps um but uh, but generally, like for grid resistors for inch, grid stoppers, which are it's a series resistor that is put on the input of the tube to stop parasitic oscillations. Yeah. Um, and so it basically creates a little filter with the input capacitance in it, and it, um, and it, and it can uh, it can make sure that the tube always sees a um. Uh, an actual re- resistance instead of like a, a negative impedance. So is that an important to, to oscillate? So is that an important spot to have a really good um, sounding one? It's an important spot to have one that doesn't have any inductance. Okay, so you don't want any inductance in that in that resistor non-inductive for, for a yeah. uh, for a resistor that's on a on a grid. And some some people say that they can hear a big difference between like metal film. And and carbon composite, comp or car- carbon composition there, um, and that they prefer carbon composition. I'm look. I'm I'm pretty anti carbon composition. Yeah. I, I really don't like them. I've I've tried them, and they're just very noisy and kind of mushy and warm for me. But uh, but hey, uh, some people some people like them. But you know they were the go to back in the day because um, 
a lot of metal films um, and some other compositions like wire wounds were a bit inductive and especially mm. like the leads on metal films were, were a bit magnetic even. And so some of that would cause some oscillations and in tubes. And so people used for the longest time, even, even into the era of good wire wounds and, and mil spec wire wounds. Yeah. They still just trusted. They still would use yeah. carbon composite composition for the for the uh, grid stoppers on vacuum tubes and um now you've been talking a lot about the feedback resistors uh as being really important for you um to get a good resistor on and uh well you think about the things that are kind of somewhat outside of the loop um and uh it's the the resistors that are in the feedback that that make up the global feedback loop Right, that actually determine a lot of the sound. So they're they're sending the they're blueprint very, back to the input of like this is what it needs to. Yeah, and every sign, everything inside that loop has a better chance at getting canceled out. It has a better chance. Gotcha. Uh, that's a and I emphasize that. Yeah, it still matters a lot what's yeah. inside. Yeah, but it, it theoretically the the feedback resistors are very important. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've just been learning so much um, through this experience, mod knees, and and I would never be able to do this without you. In fact, I would have gotten these amps. Like, does it turn on? Yes. Okay, I'll try to make it work. You know, and <laughs> as we've gone through, we discovered like, oh my god, they replaced this. That must have blown. Like, why is this different on my amp than your amp? They've anyway. been through. They've seen some. Uh, Sometimes they've been <laughs> they've through been some stuff. Through some stuff. Uh, there's been some uh, tubes yeah. that have maybe melted down and red plated. Quite and, possibly. Um, so, anyways, that's what we're doing on those. They're right. fun. We're putting in some awesome resistors, and uh, oh, can't wait to hear them. Yeah, it'll be fun to fire it up. It's like a, it's like an old classic car, you know. And then you, yeah, you replace, you put a brand new Hemi in the in the in the car and you you just can't wait to fire it up and, yeah yeah drive it so yeah yeah just rev it a few times <laughs> yep all right so let's get into this question uh and this comes from a guy named ryan claren thanks ryan for the for listening and uh and we'll just kind of dive right into this hi i am a recent follower of you guys and absolutely love the show I just finished recent part two of Mods and Tweaks, and my introduction to you guys was the switch mode power supply versus linear supply, which I absolutely loved. The way power supply design was basically broken down was great to hear. Well, that's... Let me break for a second. That's actually, like, encouraging, because we were thinking we went a little bit too deep, maybe, on the tech side of things, but um, we have heard from a couple people they, they enjoy that, so... We're always trying to strike this balance where where um, we're we're being informative. But if you go to our website, you're w- reminded of our kind of like number one, uh, you know, manifesto here is that we're mm-hmm. focused on fun because yep. this is a fun hobby. Yep. And and uh, if you haven't heard our episode on on how to enjoy being an audiophile, it's all about that. Yep. And and about you know. We, we can get really deep into the technical stuff, but if you mm-hmm. don't remember to enjoy music and, and close your eyes and dance and kind of get it, you know, yeah, connect your spiritual side, I think, to this, then, mm-hmm. then it's, you know, I don't know. It's not fun. Well, That's it's the, the difference point. between using your, using your system to listen to music or are you using your music to listen to your system? <laughs> I love that. That's good. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
music so, is it. You know, make sure in the end of the day that you're using, you know, your system to listen to music. And that's what we, we want. Yeah. Okay, I'll continue with uh, Ryan Claren's question. Philosophically, where is the threshold for you guys where you decide something is worth it to tweak or mod versus just getting a new component and upgrading with something new? I'd love to hear your thoughts on what exactly you hear or how do you assess that a piece of gear is worth it to keep but maybe could benefit from changing out the crossover or upgrading caps or power supply, for example. Like I'd imagine with speakers, if you like the overall sound signature and you think they match your room well, you may not necessarily want to upgrade those speakers, but uh, you could tweak it to improve, improve performance. Again, I think it would be cool to hear from your experiences uh, about what are some of the factors that influence your decision to either replace or upgrade a completely brand new thing versus just keeping it, modifying and tweaking for better performance. So this does fold well into your Dunlavy thoughts. And we both have Dunlavy speakers, um, but but yours, I feel like your system, you, you, you just have the ability in this room, you've got a room with... Um, with angled ceilings and uh would you call that cathedral ceilings i don't know yeah vaulted vaulted ceilings you know and and it's it's a little it's not like perfectly symmetrical room it's got like pressure releases back here to the kitchen and back Mm -hmm. to the hallway it's not it's not super closed it's it's such a good room and and you're able to kind of make your system the focus of of your house, or at least you, you know when when you walk into Darren's house, you you understand Darren's priorities, and uh, <laughs> you know it's great. So so I think that of either of us, you're you're going to be the one that's going to be start sitting here thinking like, I wonder if I can improve these speakers, or or I hear a little bit of this, like you talk about, like I hear a little grain there, and I'm just like I I don't know, <laughs> I think they sound. So good in here. Yeah, but, so that goes uh, to the idea of like when you live with a system, you start to notice. Yeah, you start to notice the things, and yeah. I think in that one, um, the one episode where we talked about uh, modding your system and and how to, the one that you just actually mentioned, the one where we're talking about how to enjoy listening to your system yeah. and putting that aside. But at the same time, learning how to analyze your system and knowing where to make this the, the, the next move. The second part of that was how to be a critical listener, yeah. Yeah, right. and yeah. you make that list over the time period of listening and enjoying your system. Yeah. You start making this little list. And, and after you know months of listening to it, you start to characterize the system. They're playing thousands of recordings, sure. and then you start noticing things that are similar. And those things that are similar are the characteristics of the system. So yep. that's why a being gear really quickly isn't necessarily like you know like putting in something right. and right. getting first impressions on on a, an amp or a, a new DAC or something like that. Only within a few recordings, it's just not enough because you really need to live with that. You want to listen to a ton of recordings. Yeah, and maybe those components are exposing some issues of those you know, select recordings that you just played that you've never heard before. Like, so you really need to live with the stuff and you need to spend time listening and enjoying. And then through that, when something, you notice something, all right, I'm going to put this in the, in that list of things that, 
perhaps could be improved. And it's not that I'm trying to replace the components or something or the, the actual, you know, speaker or the, or the DAC or the amp. It's that perhaps there are things that could be adjusted, small little things that could be done to solve the stuff that's on my, you know, uh, on my uh on my con list so so to ryan's question this does fit in what he was supposing which is just that you've decided that the basic sound character of these speakers is is what you like and it, and it does match your rim well yeah and so and so that just to answer your question yes ryan yeah like in in darren's case here with the dunlavies and i think with a lot of people that are that are in this position they don't want to get a new component they love it there's just these these small little small things, little things. and know? and also I want to make distinction here that these are technically you know vintage speakers at this point you know they're, sure. they're like the first I think the the SC four what was it nineteen ninety four ninety five I was thinking ninety three but yeah, yeah uh, it could have yeah, been even earlier yeah. than that I'm not sure I'm on not that sure one either. I know that the A version which is what I have is ninety eight gotcha. Um, and so, I mean, that's getting into, you know, it's a vintage-ish speaker. Right. It's not a new speaker, that's right. for sure. Right, um, And so, whenever you're dealing with vintage stuff, we have components available today that are better, like uh, capacitors and yeah. resistors. And we talked about this in our, in our tweaks uh, episode a few episodes back. For those that want to know more about this topic, you could, if you haven't heard that episode, go back and we actually have two parts of it and listen to those those episodes um it would uh, uh provide you a lot more detail in in this part but i i think that you know when it comes down to knowing whether to mod it i'm going to be modding it probably if it's a vintage component where you know a lot of the components you know are probably outdated and older inside of it anyways you're not going to try to get inside um, of wilson and and see I'm not what else gonna, you could do yeah exactly i'm not going to try to to modify my harvest or something like that. I'm I'm not really into touching modern, you know, gear that has been that has been optimized by the designer. Um, but you know, stuff where touching it won't really devalue it like a like a Dunlavy. It won't really devalue. Actually, I think it will actually increase the yeah. value. Yeah. Um, if it was recapped with some really serious capacitors inside right. the Dunlavy. Right. Um, but if you took if you took a Focal and you stripped out the what Focal did and you put in some other capacitors, even if they're worth more money, the value of that that speaker now goes down. Yeah. Because Focal is is, you know, state of the art, they know what they're doing. You nobody wants a modded, you know, Focal by some some person. Even if yeah. you know even if you did improve the sound of it, right. um uh, people want to buy Focal's product, not yours. And right. um and so, you know, that's something to factor in. I, I, I don't touch modern stuff, but the, the vintage things, if I have it in a system like the D-115s, I mean, they're, oh, yeah. you know, they're, they're the perfect mod out project. Ripe for mods, um, yeah. And so, uh, and so with the Dunlavies, that, that's what I'm doing is that it's, it's a generally, it's a, an affordable speaker that if you, you know, modify this crossover, update the crossover, they're not going to drop in value at all. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm only going to be improving the sound um, uh, with my final adjustments. I'm sure I'm going to be able to to do some, or improve the sound from where they are right now. You know, another um, way to look at your question or to answer your question for yourself, Ryan, is is that, uh, and, and I mentioned this a second ago, but 
but there are some well-documented, um, you know, mod attempts already made on this speaker. In fact, there's a, a bunch of talk online about modding the SC4As. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, and you can you can usually figure out. Um, I mean, if you're starting from square one, because you're looking at a design that you had nothing to do with, you're probably yep. not talking to the designer. So a lot of times it's like, wow, what what actually would make a difference in yep. here? Well, there's there's a good chance that there's some people that are EEs with some time on their hands and they're, they're very seasoned uh, audiophiles and they look at this circuit and they say, oh, there's that thing. Yeah, he could have done better than that. Or, or people with a lot more time than you. Way more time. There's, there's folks. <laughs> or impatience. I yeah. Mean, so you can, yeah, so that's a, right. yeah, that's a great point. There are like, there, there are components where there's so much information online about yeah. modifications. And so yeah. therefore you don't have to go and hunt for those modifications. No. And within those modifications, you can, you can just kind of take the information. Oh, this was modded in this place, this place. You can see what they did. But maybe you don't want to do exactly what they did. But what you know is that further benefits can be reaped. Mm-hmm. So, for example, this this one guy was doing all dual-end capacitors in your SC4A, right? If you can imagine the size of these dual-end capacitors, like what, where he put them? I'm not going to lie. I want that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I don't, don't be mentioning that. Don't bring that up. Man. I know, it's You're gonna, dangerous. I'm, a, I'm dangerous around that but stuff. But you don't I'm need gonna... to do dual-end. You could do rel caps. You could do V-caps Jupiter. if you want Jupiter. So you know the guy from Jupiter, uh, your, your friend Chris. So so you've been meaning to like talk to him about it, to get his impressions about, hey, what do you think? Yeah. Because what, and, and another thing we found out through these, these experiments of other people uh, with these same speakers that you have is we know what components are in it without having to even take it apart and and I don't know I mean eventually if you're going to mod it you got to you got to take the crossover out and yeah and so you got to be you got to have the chops to be able to do that now you but 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 we know what's in it because because you can easily read it online you can probably see pictures online that people have taken mm-hmm. um, I've looked in a Dunlavy cabinet or two and it's it's a lot of soul and stuff which is pretty good it's you know, it's yeah it's, caps it's, and it's great inductors. for the price you know yeah. it's, it's they're very affordable like you know you could buy a mkp capacitor uh metalized film capacitor for for a couple bucks that's a couple microfarad i mean it's it's relatively you know uh um um, affordable. We think it was a good choice, right? Because oh, it's they an, sound oh. really good for the for the price. That oh, it's they an were. outstanding yeah. choice for the price range. I mean, these speakers. I think the the A's only got to about twelve grand. Yeah, yeah. And and you know I, maybe some people right now are like, oh my god, twelve grand in in ninety eight. You know, it's one of those speakers that it's it's you more should, than the sum of its parts. You should hear this speaker. It sounds I mean, it, like a fifty grand speaker i mean it's, it's the, the wall of sound that's being made by your six and a half tall how deep are they God, like, we're gonna elevate the price we're gonna elevate the price of dunlap i know they're stop. gonna go you gotta keep it quiet it's a little secret it's if, it's really in my guys. speakers like it's i mean you know you have to pay a lot of money today to get into the the size and the accuracy of to, them. To get That's this similar yeah. sound, you yeah. you put on a lot of money nowadays. Well, a lot of vintage speakers that were large tend to like just not have the accuracy and the transparency of today's speaker. Yeah, uh, speakers, and the Dunlavy kind of except for this one. You know, it's not maybe it's not state of the art resolution. 
Um, but it's it's enough resolution, and then it has the size and the impact, and and the and also the ability for it to scale small things as well. And the phase coherence and the impulse like response and like it's, it's very important things he got right. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you can you can say it doesn't have state of the art resolution because you look at the tweeter and it's 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 not a world beating tweeter. It's no. a it's an inch dome you know like soft dome uh or or silk dome tweeter yeah which we love um implemented really well for time alignment but also in in the drivers he chose and the crossover design Mm -hmm. uh you know what did atkinson say about what is he measuring my speakers the threes where he just said this has uh Almost the same impulse response as like a, an no, electronic piece of electronic. He said equipment. that they measured more like an electronic component than a speaker. Yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. he said. Which is remarkable. Um, and, and, and the and the benefit reaped from that is yeah. is 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 hard to describe. Uh, well, there's a lot of examples out there, um, and you know, I certainly I bring this up a lot with when you're talking about measurements and stuff. There's a lot of examples where engineers create products that do measure uh, very well but they don't provide the musical satisfaction and they don't necessarily uh, hit that area where they're getting out of the way of the music, whether it's a speaker or whether it's an amplifier. Um, And it seems that Dunlavi really uh, got around that um, where they, yeah, yeah, they're optimized for measurements, but they don't sound that way. Like they sound like they've also, he did do a lot of listening and, and find like a listener. Maybe there there was, there was a, he wasn't a listener, but I think he relied on customer feedback to adjust, to adjust the speakers. And that's why the A's have obviously some, they have some, a little bit of variation in their frequency response compared to the original SC4s that were a bit flatter. Huh. In response, so he made some adjustments, and I think, well, he obviously accepted that he needed to adjust a few things, um, and and deviate from the op- the the best measurements possible to optimize the sonic uh, performance of it. But but the but what I'm saying in the long run is that there's a lot of projects that start out with engineers who just chase the measurements, and they just end up being well, okay, and like not really striking you in a certain way, but sure. the Dunlavies communicate music. Yeah. So, um, so, anyways, um, you know, the they're not the highest resolution because it, today in today's speaker world, not only are drivers more advanced than what's in the Dunlavies, they're um, the cabinets have become a lot better too. So, res, in yeah. re, when you're talking resolution. The cabinetry and the and the resonance in that cabinetry is very critical to achieving the the uh, state of the art resolution. Well, that's one of the mods I saw for this uh, at your SC4A speakers was you know coating the inside with some sort of uh, sound deadening or or hardening agent or some kind of like you know wood epoxy kind of like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just hard, uh, hardening it. I mean, when you go down that road, you have to think about like, are you changing, changing the resonance of this cabinet and, and thereby changing the sound signature. But, um, yeah, I think people accepted that. Yeah. There was some room for, for improvement with the cabinet as well. But anyway, that's, that's our thought process, Ryan. It's just, there's a lot of people that have tried things in the past, so that can give you a good idea. Uh, 
Darren, like Darren said, he's 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 a little wary to to just dive right into modern equipment, um, unless it's something from a small company where the the designer's real vocal about, hey, if you want to go a little further, you you've got these things That's that you point. can do. Yeah, I've seen that. You know, especially if it's kind of like a kit based company to begin with, the yeah. modifications probably aren't going to devalue it, but. Right, but or, I, or you I, could talk to the designer himself and say, "Hey, if if I wanted to put a little bit more into it, where are the places?" And I bet mm-hmm. he could have some ideas for you. Yep. You know, that's what one cool thing about audiophile stuff and hi-fi companies—they could be just like one or two guys, could or be, yeah, just one one brilliant guy, and yep. and uh, he might be real happy to engage with you and mm-hmm. uh, give you some ideas. Yeah, you just want to stay away from voiding warranties, hurting yourself. Yeah, um, actually, yep. hurting yourself, voiding warranties. Yeah, <laughs> I should have said that number one, one first. then number two. Um, and uh, and then also just uh, you know ruining the resale of the product. So a lot of people, yeah, you think know, about will it. Be, yeah, will be Remember even if that. you've improved the sound. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that someone's going to want to buy a modded out Focal speaker. So. Right, right. All right, thanks for the question, Ryan. Um, uh, okay, we've got another question here. From another guy named Ryan. Actually, this guy is a friend of mine. Um, so uh, this guy's name is Ryan Scanura, and uh, he used to live in Denver. And I have, uh, in the past, designed and built a couple subwoofers for this guy. And I brought him up on the subwoofer podcast. Actually, this this guy is a DJ, uh, is one of the leaders of this group, uh, this this deep house club. Uh, I think they're called Deep Club in Denver, and and they play deep deep house, which is deep a house. genre, but it's called Deep Club. And uh, as you can imagine, they really appreciate bass. Yeah, yeah. Do, do would you have? Do you have a definition for deep house? Like no. How would you? I, I mean, it's, I could look it what up. What I here. what I understand is that it's it's somewhat of a it's a genre. It's generally slow in tempo, with a focus on on the bass lines right i know you would think it's it's all about bass uh here's what wikipedia says deep house is a subgenre of house music that originated in the 80s 1980s initially fusing elements of chicago house with 1980s jazz funk and touches of soul music its origins are attributed to larry hurd's track mystery of love in 1984 interesting uh, it's known for tempos typically from 110 to 125 bpm so it's not not the slowest. It's also not the fastest. Um, known for muted bass lines, spacious use of percussion elements, um, and soft keyboard sounds and pads, using advanced chord structures, uh, which leads toward the soul music. Ambient mixes soulful, predominantly female vocals. Interesting. I need to check out. I think you'd be that. interested I, in. I've been Dude, on I have some vinyl from Ryan that Ryan sent me that I've never played on anything because I I just have never had a good cartridge. And you know, if you have a crappy cartridge, you know, you just just ruin the vinyl. So I I never wanted to. So I got to bring that over and we yeah yeah we'll, we'll spin it. I, yeah. yeah, I um I I have searched for some artists um you know in deep house before, but I I just I didn't really get too deep into it. So. So, um, so influences of jazz music can be found in the use of more complex chords than simple triads like sevenths, ninths, and thirteenths, suspensions, alterations. Mm. It's cool. If anybody has some, like, sounds cool. 
you know, some recommendations for some artists. For some deep house. That, yeah, deep house well, artists. Well, Let Ryan, me know. get in touch with us. Ryan's listening yeah. right now. So he'll uh he'll hit us. He'll I'm very us curious. Up. I want to explore that. Yeah. All right. So um so Ryan moved to, I believe, uh, New York. I, I haven't, uh, I've, I've chatted with him every occasionally in the last, uh, couple of years, but I know that he, um, moved away from Denver. And so, um, actually his, his latest question is a little lengthy, but it's, it's great. And we kind of really want to dig into it and just kind of approach this for pretty much the uh, majority of the rest of the podcast here. But, um, let me just start and let uh, let Ryan do do the talking here. Okay. Last week, I scored big on two 1980s Klipsch Cornwall speakers um, and two 1980 Klipsch La Scala speakers, both in excellent condition. In my new house, I'm thinking about setting up a second high SPL sound room in the basement and in parentheses, he says, you guessed it, for parties. <laughs> and uh, running them in a quad setup. So like two two of the La Scala's in front and the Cornwall's in the back firing for, toward the La Scala. Roughly, it's a 15 by 20 foot listening space uh, with seven and a half foot ceilings. <clears throat> it's a finished basement with ceramic tile floors. I'm still going to run my heresies, so he has clips heresies, um, in my living room, or I might swap the Cornwalls and heresies, not sure yet. Uh, in the sound room, I will build a wood or cinder block bases to set the speakers on so that they're near ear, ear level or higher. People will be standing. If I use heresies in the rear, maybe I could fly them from the ceiling. So he's, so he's considering the scalas as the mains, probably, and he'll be DJing, uh, between them and then and then he's thinking of rears okay i'll do the cornwalls or might switch out for the heresies um he continues i am trying to run all four speakers in parallel off one proceed bpa2 amp that i got from the music room a few years ago by the way just to if you're new to the podcast i'm duncan i'm i work at the as a testing technician at the music room and we sell uh, predominantly used hi-fi audio gear uh, online. Uh, per the amp and speaker specs, and Darren is a, a senior analog uh, design engineer at PS Audio, so he brings we bring different things to the table, but we both we both love this hobby. Um, mm-hmm. All right, Ryan continues. Uh, per the amp and speaker specs, the amp should be able to power all four speakers easily, but I have never tried doing anything like this. I might get an EL34 tube amp for my living room clip speakers, his heresies, based on some discussion I heard in one of your other podcasts. However, <clears throat> and by the way, we think that's an awesome idea, right? You should very much so you do should, that. You should do that. You're going to love it. However, I still like the Proceed amp, and I need more wattage and SPL for what I'm trying to do with the La Scala Cornwall sound room. The Proceed can do 250 watts per channel into 4 ohms, and each clip is rated clips is rated for 100 watts and is is 8 ohm. So in parallel that would be 4 ohms and so, you know, great. The speaker load in parallel would be 4 ohms per side. Do you think this is a good approach? Let's uh let's stop it there and just just answer that. I think that there's there's one thing that people um need like like something that people get past at a certain point in their audiophile journey is is understanding when a speaker on the back says that it's rated for 100 watts 
but you have a amplifier with more wattage, initially you might be concerned. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and generally you're never going to even remotely get close to that. No. Right? I mean, you're... So I actually just... Uh, I did a, a, a peak RMS measurement on my... Um, or I, I should... No, a peak voltage measurement. Voltage um, using on my, your on my uh, on my Dunlavies, which are rated yeah. at ninety one at four ohms, um, at ninety one dB, at, uh, and they're a four ohm load. Um, and so uh, I would I, I turn it up very loud. Um, I est- uh, I estimate it might have been in the mid nineties to maybe perhaps the peaks being in the upper nineties in my room. Okay, that's pretty loud. Um, yeah pretty was pretty loud and uh and i only was throwing at at the maximum that the meter hit which it basically has this trigger on it where it just triggers and holds on the maximum peak that that exists yeah Yeah. and that maximum peak uh was 10.5 watts yeah you're right Right. Yeah. So, it, and then working back in the calculations, that kind of makes sense given my estimation. I didn't have a meter to to say that oh, it was playing at actually ninety seven dB or so, but it it turns out that through calculations that that's roughly where they were playing. Probably, yeah. From about a meter away, they were probably playing in the in the in the mid to upper nineties um, with that wattage on them. So, so that just puts it in perspective that. A lot of times, you know, people think they're listening to 100 watts or something, and you're really not. You're you're not listening, listening to too five. much at all. You're because you're, <laughs> you know, even even playing it at a at a fairly, you know, moderate level. It's it's still you know maybe you know 85 dB in the room or at at a meter away. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and it's really not a whole lot of uh, power that you're throwing in your speaker. If so. you have really insensitive speakers, the amp will be required to put more power into the speakers to make that same volume. You mm-hmm. know that 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 makes sense. So then that's that's also why we kind of chase higher wattage amplifiers or the capability of higher wattage amplifiers because those musical peaks that happen in such an instantaneous moment in time, we want the amp to be able to do it. And, and it's that and that the maximum peak that you have. Like for instance, I'm uh you know I I captured ten point five watts there, but imagine if I had a twenty watt amplifier powering it, I'd be closer to the rails. And yes. the way that a amplifier clips is that it just wouldn't have the same kind of headroom, and it just wouldn't be as clean. It wouldn't sound as good. Yeah, and yeah. so and so you know I, I'm sure a twenty watt amplifier might be able to sound decent on the Dunlavies. But I wouldn't be able to have the impact and just the effortlessness right. of, of having a BHK 250 on this where 10.5 watts coming into 4 ohms out of a BHK 250, that BHK 250 is not even blinking an eye. So that's a PS Audio BHK Signature 250. That's a, um, the, main, the, the best stereo amp that they make right now. It's a great amp. <clears throat> um, you know, the preamplifier or that volume control is what keeps keeps your the, the the amount of of power that's appropriate to go to your speakers appropriate you know if if you had a cat jump on it and it went up to 100 and and your speakers got this blast of of super loud you know music yeah you might maybe well you, you remember it, time is the other factor so yeah you don't really know 
These you, manufacturers, you don't really they, know. Put, they put wattage rating on there. They put this wattage rating on You don't it. really know what that means. It's why do they do that? It's like an insurance thing or something. So, I don't know. Man. I actually don't know. But it, nice speakers don't have that. <laughs> well, I mean, well, well, my full range speakers, I had, say, five watts on the back. And I ran the. Oh, you mean the driver? Uh, yeah. Well, I guess the driver would be oh, different that's than, different. The, than, yeah, the, yeah, than yeah. the speaker I meant like on the back of the speaker. On the back of yeah. the speaker, yeah. You don't buy like a, a pair of Focals and they have like rated for 100 watts or something on the back. I don't think they have that. I don't think so either. I think they yeah. just, if anything... They give minimum specs. Yeah. You know, you must have this amount. Yeah, <laughs> for it to sound good. No, yeah. I had these um, I had these full range drivers that say five watts on the back of them, and I yeah, was powering them. Yeah, that makes them, sense. But I was powering them with a two hundred fifty watt amp for a long time. And yeah, because you're not putting anything in them. No, because I've got the yeah. volume control, and yeah. and and they're so sensitive that I was probably putting half a watt to a watt in them most of the time. Right. Know? Yeah. So yeah, it's um yeah, it doesn't matter what the clips are rated for. They'll get. They'll get loud enough to break oh your eardrums before you before you oh, hurt them oh with my. the BA, with Just the a, uh, BPA. D- Ten <clears throat> watts on those things, Oof. right? It's All loud. right, let's continue. So he's describing uh, his 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 party room setup. And we just love this this uh, topic. I love it. We're man. we're gonna gonna go, cool. go off a little bit like on this. That. Yeah, on this topic. Um, the preamp in this situation is a Condessa uh, Carmen Five DJ mixer. The source is all vinyl with Sure white label DG, D, DJ cartridges and two or three Techniques SL twelve ten M five G DJ turntables. So Ryan is a is a DJ and he's um, really excellent. Um, so he's going to have two or three of these, which he says he is properly isolated with the SL-1200 specific uh, ISO absorption feet. He says, I haven't figured out room treatment yet, but I plan on bodies doing most of the absorption. I'll probably do some absorbers or reflectors on the ceiling at some point. No DSP. The room will be fully analog, probably not even an analog graphic EQ. I want to keep the signal chain as lean and clean as possible. So let's break there again. Um, so the, he'll the, probably want some absorption with the ceramic tile yeah, floors. That's what I was gonna say. Is like I, I think that the first thing I would do for treatment is absorption, just because of the, the the SPLs. Yeah, that you're doing. So yeah, you're, you you're just get gonna want to damp that place, and especially with the clips too. B- bodies do absorb, as you know, yeah. as, as Ryan knows, because he's yep. DJ and he's he's had these sweaty basement parties for so many years in like Denver, you know, where he's just like, oomts, oomts, you know, just crushing music for all night. So he knows, but you know, it goes to, to a certain extent and um, and you and I both kind of think, well, with those those floors, the small ceilings, the SPLs that you're thinking of. Maybe on the ceiling then. That's what think? he was that's what yeah, he was yeah. kind of thinking. And I think Or you could even do agree. um they have those the brackets for the panels where you can kind of meet between the ceiling and the wall, like right in the corners. Yeah, that upper that corner. Would be a really because you get the flutter, yeah. you get yeah. that flutter echo right. between the, the corner and the and the ceiling. Yeah. So you might want to think about doing that too, and it looks yeah. cool. Yeah, it looks cool. Um, right. So, uh, so you know, something like that, and then you can also get the corner absorption foam on like Amazon for right. not much money. And that corner foam fits in the upper corner too. If if you want to do that without having to install anything like with yeah. brackets and like, you know, get the screwdriver out. There's that. Yeah, yeah, that would work too. And then if you have 
the horn of the, like, for instance, the La Scala, uh, right next to a wall, like within a few feet of it, just pad that wall. Yeah. Because you may not have, I mean, you might have some guy sitting right now. I doubt you're going to have someone that close to the horn throat. Definitely yeah, like, I don't know, educate your listeners about like maybe, maybe have a, maybe have like a, a, a jar with a bunch of earplugs in it. You know, if people, people yeah, want oh, them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's what I do idea. at shows mm-hmm. is like, if there's a certain part of the frequency response that, that, that's bothering me, I will I will just just put the tip of the ear plugs in my ears just until that like gets brought down. And uh and I actually know that you know modern earplugs are much better than than those foam ones that we're thinking of. Um modern earplugs can be actually pretty pretty full spectrum. They just they just lower it pretty evenly across the spectrum. So yep. you know that that could be they, sometimes it's an investment um but at, at loud shows or loud party environments like that i've i always bring earplugs and yeah. and i i don't think i've ever preferred the sound you know without the earplugs like, yeah it always sounds better with the earplugs <laughs> but that's yeah. probably because i'm not a file get more bass you like bass or or just that it no it's like i can hear Balance what's going it on a little bit more yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. especially at a show I can actually hear what's going on. Like, yeah. Otherwise, it's just it's so loud it gets it gets confusing. And for stuff. me, so many shows, I, I can't possibly do it. I mean, I've yeah. I've worn earplugs for I mean, for 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 as long as I can remember at shows. Just yeah, me for too. That re- it started actually more for the reason of I like the way it sounded more with earplugs. Interesting. Um, my dad just slammed it over my head like I had to bring earplugs uh, all growing up, and I have earplugs in my in my backpack that i bring everywhere i have earplugs in my car mm-hmm. um for me a, a lot of shows it's the snare drum they just get so hot on horn on horn speakers yeah that's why i think i like the sound better is because it's so bright to begin with <laughs> yeah right <laughs> that that it's putting putting the earplugs in yeah it's more, it's, it's more balanced but you're yeah. right yeah you can balance it to kind of to your taste yep uh, now I shared on a on one of our on one of our very first podcasts. I don't even know if we published this one, but this this time I was at a, a punk rock show as a as a teenager, and I didn't have any earplugs, and it was painfully loud. You know the this this setup, and uh, and it's just so funny when you're in a painfully loud situation, and you look around, and and it seems like nobody else is is suffering or struggling. That, yeah, that's like, my experience. Just too. like, why isn't anyone else like hurting, like holding their ears, and like, like this is loud, you know? And that was back in the day. I, I don't, I don't have hearing damage. I don't have certain parts of the spectrum that I'm sensitive to. I'm just. My dad raised me to be really careful about my ears and 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 to really know that you can never get your hearing back once you lose it. And and so so it's just kind of like some anxiety that kicks in probably right away. For me, saying, I'm just is, like I can't this have this. Past your threshold and yeah. warning signs are coming up yeah. saying that you don't you shouldn't be in this environment. There's a pain threshold and then there's a yeah. cerebral threshold where I'm just like this is not good for my health. Yeah. So I actually ran to the bathroom and I wanted up a bunch of toilet mm-hmm. paper and I made these little balls and I stuffed them in my, my my ears and and I went back to the show and and it was a lot better. It was fine. You know, um and then after the show, I'm pulling these things out, and I'm pulling out like parts of them and part of the earplugs, and I'm like, ah, like things kind of they're kind of falling apart. Like I didn't do a great job, and like 
was it a week later? I started getting earaches and uh, oh crap, had to go to the doctor. And the doctor looks in there and he's like, What is this? And he takes some, he very carefully takes some tweezers and pulls out the rest of my. Oh my man. uh my hearing plugs that that I made out of wadded up toilet yeah. paper. And he was like, Well, first of all, I'm really happy that that this was your instinct to to try to protect your ears. Yeah. Like, but but get some earplugs and I just was, keep them with you because it's not yeah. good for your ears to have it's interesting. Foreign, I think that foreign objects. A lot of people resort to, you know, toilet paper. Um, yeah. for putting in their ears because they find themselves in environments where you that don't have and I say that because yeah. Uh, Paul McGowan, uh, the CEO of PS Audio, actually told me a, a similar story where he was in a similar situation where it was just it was too loud, didn't have earplugs. All right, to the bathroom to get the toilet paper and yeah. start stuffing your ears. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, and he was okay. It didn't get stuck, but I'm glad that you gave that because I was just thinking that you know it can be dangerous in the sense of a, a something getting stuck in there. Totally got it stuck, and and yeah. so um, had to get removed. And so they actually make you can go on like Amazon and they have these little um, keychain tubs. Yeah, um, that have enough room just for two earplugs, and even though you know it's like the cheapest, the cheapest earplugs. It's it's really nice to have on your keychain. And yeah. um, before uh, COVID, uh, when I used to, you know, I'd go out um, to eat dinner, and then maybe that would lead to uh, a drink at a bar with a, a band playing. Yeah, um, I would always have that that on my keychain, and I would never ever find myself in a situation without earplugs. Oh, cool, cool. Um, and so I just recommend, guys. It's just you know, ten bucks after we get out of this mess that we're in. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, 10 bucks, I think, or, you know, it's gotta be around there. It's not much money No, to, to invest in, in just that little tub and put it on your, yeah. put it on your keychain, and, you know, it's, it's worth it. Some of the modern, uh, earplugs that, that, uh, use some, some technology, some modern technology to have like flat bandwidth, uh, a noise reduction come in those little tumblers that fit on the keychain. So it's mm. it's like, you know, it's a better time than ever to find earplugs. A recent, just to finish on the earplug thing, um, this made me remember uh, not too long ago, a couple years ago, I was at a show at the, I think the Fox Theater here in Boulder, and I uh, didn't have my earplugs. Um I just didn't like, I don't like being in those environments without something, you know, like I said, they're, they're horn arrays for the PA and, and the snare drum can just be so, you know, just hot. And, uh, and I, I just wanted, I just wanted something. I just didn't want to spend that much time in there at that level, you know? So I went to the bar and I was like, do you, do you guys have any earplugs I can buy? And they were like, oh, yeah, like that's one of the things we oh. do. Thank you for asking. Like, we actually have a oh, whole that's great. jar here for people that ask. Like, that's amazing. Not enough people ask. It's yeah, loud I didn't as hell even here. think about doing that. It's loud as hell here. And yeah. as, we work at the bar, so we have to, you know, wear these. Of for course. Them. So, anyway, um, that's should. another option. I've seen some bartenders not have any. This it's like, true. you're nuts. Yeah. I mean, all, like, you know, can you imagine working four, day, four nights a, a week? 
Yeah, and you're, not and a lot of people that. know about hearing damage, man. I mean, I mean you're, it's gone, yeah. man. My, it's, my sister it, was working at a bar for a while where they had lots of live music and it was super loud. And her main concern was that she couldn't hear very well people screaming their drink orders at her. And so I bought her some of these really nice, like, modern earplugs and yeah. sent them to her because I'm like, this is not only your hearing's gonna you're gonna lose your hearing but you know this is gonna up your ability to do your job like incredibly so yeah that's yeah. great uh, that's all right well we we made it a little diversion into hearing plugs but uh we, yeah so back to this room we back were to the party about, room so we the party room we love now, the party room i would oh yeah i think it's an awesome idea <laughs> this is gonna be great um so absorption um yeah. and uh i believe if it's my uh if my memory is serving me correctly uh uh, ATS Acoustics. Yeah, yeah. They make some nice stuff. We both like ATS. If, yeah. if you want something that looks really sharp um, and doesn't break the bank, I think it's like 50 bucks a panel. Yeah. Uh, comes with the hardware, too. You can do yeah. the corner mount. You could do the ceiling mount. Um, but uh, but those are nice. They come in the 2-inch and the 4-inch uh, thicknesses. Remember, the thicker the panel is, the the lower uh, the frequency that it absorbs right and if um, you're mounting on a wall if you stand it off the wall yep that that actually increases absorption because what happens is waves hit a reflective surface and their energy potential goes from high to nothing as they change directions and then goes back up to high and so and so actually absorbing it right at that change when it's hitting the the reflection is actually not the most effective way to absorb those those frequencies so if you have a panel you want to stand it off like you know 6 inches is great but that's actually kind of a visual like whoa that's that's a lot a couple inches will still do do mm-hmm. something for you that's that's beyond just hanging the absorber directly on the wall. Right? Yep. Right. And then I would do the 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 reflection points on the side of the speakers if they're near walls. And you know, I, I think I would just to sum up the room treatment thing, I would hold that pretty high up on the list if you're yeah. if you're gonna be playing high SPL. I think it's yeah. gonna make a big difference if you're if you're hitting ninety five D B or something like that, maybe more than that. Um, it's just, yeah, that room I think needs to be, uh, uh treated a bit on the top. Cause your amp is going to drive this load. No problem. Like you're yeah. going to get it up to party levels easily. And, and it's just, the clarity is going to be increased immensely. In fact, you're going to find that, that maybe you don't have to push it as, as loud to get the same kind of experience and, and feel once yeah. you get the absorption dialed in. And those horn speakers are happier in a really damped environment. Yeah. They don't like a lively environment. Yeah. They, they're already bright enough that yeah. they'll still sound lively in a really damped environment yeah. with the bodies and the absorption panels. Um, okay. And then uh, what's next? He had well, he goes into speaker of- wire next. Uh, he yeah. Has some questions about speaker wire. So you had a, you had a few ideas. Yeah. That. Uh, I'll continue with this, reading this email, and then we'll... Then we'll uh, chime in here okay speaker wire i need to buy more speaker wire for the new speakers a couple years ago i bought the dual on 16 gauge tin plated copper hookup wire per duncan's suggestion to run on my heresies i love that wire by the way and, and i could talk about it um and i've been loving the sound but admittedly i do not have much experience with quality speaker wire visually i love the wire's vintage appearance and how unassuming it is and the price was great I might just get more of that wire, but I wanted to ask first and see what you recommend. My friend suggested uh, blue, blue jeans cables. 
These look great, and I like how they also terminate them for you when you order. The price point looks good. Do you know much about this wire? They also sell connectors. Any suggestions on connectors? I was thinking about getting spades. Um, actually, I'll finish up his, his uh, speaker uh, cable questions, and then we'll get to it. Another factor is the length of the cable in this larger room. So maybe 12 or 14 gauge speaker wire would be better. I see Duolun makes a 12 gauge hookup wire in this design. I possibly need 10 to 15 feet to the first La Scala from the amp and then another 15 to 20 feet or so to the rear corn walls from the front La Scalas. Also, should I try to keep all the speaker wire segments the same length? Will the different wire lengths uh, in the system give me problems? First of all, it, it sounds like you want to send the run to the Lascalas and then from the Lascalas send another run to the Cornwalls. I would recommend sending all the runs from the amp. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, does you it know, make a difference? It's just my own kind of like quirks. I'm just like, you know, we're no, all, I'm all running from the amp. Yeah, we all like certain things you know, done a certain way. I mean, we're, we're, you know, it's a little bit of an OCD thing, but yeah, I think that's what I it mean, is. It, yeah. But it, it, yeah. I mean, I probably would are all, I would start it all at the amp as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And have, have it all coming from the amp. Um, uh, as far as the different lengths, uh, go, I wouldn't obsess about that at all. I mean, especially in this system. I mean, if you're making a, a stereo system where you're wanting maybe the just absolute best imaging and we can be OCD with stuff, it's like, yeah, don't don't make one speaker cable 100 feet and the other one 8. Right, but, right. But, you know, uh, uh, I don't think that there's any issue of just cutting your cables the length that you need it in this, in this system. Uh, now, uh, what do you think about the 12-gauge question? Because Doolin makes a 12-gauge version of this cable by the way the cable is 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 individually tinned strands of copper so it's stranded copper but each of the strands is individually tinned then it's then it's twisted and it's covered with cotton jacket that's then soaked in oil yeah so it's so it's so so i was just i was wondering whether it's like beer proof you know because you were asking about that yeah because i mean like this room i would make sure that you know like the the you know the the guy like you know talking to somebody and it's it's dark you know in there what would happen if flashy lights actually i want to know what his light situation is too because i know that that's a big part of this Anyways, it's probably going to be balling. So, so lights are going nuts, and all of a sudden, the guy accidentally, you know, uh, tips his beer, right. and it and it runs down the wall, and then it's on the cable. I was just curious whether the, you know, they factored that into the design. Well, the, so they're oil impregnated, so they're oil rubbed. I've I've used these speaker cables for the last several years at my job. Um, you know, moving all kinds of stuff around. They're very durable. But I have not spilled beer on them, so I don't. But I just didn't know what how could much... happen. Could you short out a, a signal to an? To an <laughs> and by the way, the BPA would probably be fine with one of these leads getting shorted for a period of time. I mean, depends on the current you're putting. It's, it's pushing more so out. that you just don't want the copper getting wet. I mean, you so know. you're thinking about like corrosion in the future and oxidation. Yeah, I mean, you just don't yeah. want that metal, yeah. you know, getting wet and but stuff. But it's tinned. It's tinned copper. You know, the reason they did. Did the tin copper. So Duoland took this design from Western Electric, which developed this design after years of of crazy copper oxidization on their like telephone lines and like that kind of stuff. That's cool. 
And so they individually tinned the strands so that they wouldn't have to deal with that anymore and, yep. and have these green lines and like the problems that creates. Anyways, I was, you know, I was half joking. Yeah, yeah, course, yeah, I know. But, but yeah, you it love sounds this like, party I room. know you guys love that cable. I want to try that cable too. I haven't really tried that. I think cable. you should. I just ordered um, some more um, for myself, but we need to get you some. 12, uh, 12 to 16 gauge. Is the current that he's pushing out to these speakers requiring that? I'm kind of thinking no. No. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... There's so high efficiency. Yeah. You know, speakers. It, the, yeah. I mean, you're really not putting that much... I mean, the the thing that I would say is how much more money would it be for the 12? It's not much. And that's So the then thing. just go 12. Just go with 12. Just go with 12. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, you know, I'm it's it's too. one of those things. You don't want to obsess too much about it. Now, now if it's going to be a lot of money to make up for that 15 feet running to the fir- first La Scala. I mean, you might want to tap it off the first La Scala. The other thing you want to think about too, about how you do your wiring is that you set up all these, what he's running for speakers. So, so if you're doing two in parallel, can you get two 12 gauge cables into your amp output binding post? That's just something to check. Yeah. Right. Cause question. you don't want to run into the issue where, where you can't possibly get that around right. or you barely get it around. And then, and then you wrap the other one around that wire and it's kind of like not well, the and best then you're, connection. You're, you're rocking and everything's vibrating and in your middle of your party, your your speaker goes out because it's go. disconnected. So, well, he was asking about terminations because he's talking about... Oh, the he blue, wants to terminate. Well, he's talking about the yeah. Blue Jeans cable and how, right. how the benefit of that is that they offer terminations. This other cable is bulk cable. So you're mm-hmm. just buying bulk cable. Um, for me, I, I like... Blue jeans cables. I, I I only have experience with some of their interconnects, and they're fine. They're good. Um, for what blue jeans does and the prices that they do, they're great, and they're a great starting point for a lot of people. And they have they have pretty good um, results. Uh, if I were you, Ryan, I would still stick with the Duoland. Um, and then there's there's a lot of like terminations that yeah. you can do that are so easy. Um, yeah, there's, um, I use, especially if you're willing to solder, I don't know if you're willing to solder, but, um, there's, there, there are like some awesome bananas that you can pick up for, uh, for pretty cheap and yeah. you could probably even, you know, make the, or, or solder, try to find a banana that will accept the two 12 gauges on that one banana. Yeah. And then you're talking Ooh, about yeah. just one banana going into the just amp. Just going to the amp. Anyways, pay attention to how that's terminated the amp because you could be planning on, bring in everything from the amp like we first recommended, yeah. and then you just can't get the 12-gauge cables in there. So now, we love uh, Parts Connection. That's P-A-R-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-X-I-O-N.com um, because it, it caters to the stuff that you're doing here. Yep. Uh, it's got a whole section on connectors. I've been obsessing over the spade section lately because I'm trying to make some new cables for you and me, actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, but they've got great bananas. They've got, uh, tons of options there. There's actually a bunch of options that you screw down. Like it's, it's not, you don't even have to solder. There's some that you crimp, um, and there's some that you solder. So, um, I, you know, I think I directed you, Ryan, to to Parts Connection to find the dual on cable to begin with. So just uh, just mosey over to their connector side of things, and um, and I think that that we you can make this really easy on yourself and just get that done. Yep, that's yep. All right, uh, the last section here is about subwoofers. 
eventually, and you know, it's probably an important topic, uh, given this is Deep House and and he's playing club music in his sounds in his basement. important. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's got clipses, you know, so mm-hmm. you need some subs for that. Yep. Eventually, I will throw a sub or two into the mix since none of the Klipsch Heritage speakers hit anywhere near the level of bass that I need. But I haven't figured that part out yet. I think it needs to be a beefy PA sub or something DIY. I, I don't think a REL sub will hit the levels I need in this room. And I'm keeping the Duncan horn sub in my living room. So that was the, the tapped horn that I made for him with the two, two eight-inch drivers. Just sounded so good right off the bat. Like I, As it broke in, I bet I, I can only imagine it started sounding better. But uh, Anyway, yeah, Ryan... Um, you know, I I always got a kick out of the fact that you and your your DJ friends were interested in the DIY part of things when it came to subs. Because there's so much going on and so many possibilities. Um and there's a lot of uh facilitation of that online. <clears throat> I just found tonight in a little bit of googling a website called www.diysubwoofers.org and it's just got everything here and it's got all these uh, excel spreadsheets that show you like like you know plans and measurements and it's got it's got information it's kind of t- telling you it's showing you projects and it's got links it's a really cool resource i mean i'm looking at so many different subwoofers that you could build if if you didn't feel DIY inclined enough, it, you know you could do what you did with me. Basically, was just like commission somebody else to do it. It's not going to be you know a, a ton of money. It's just going to be you know parts and a little bit of labor. And there you have something that that you can't buy anywhere else. We've talked about this before. There's reasons why you, you, commercial subwoofers for hi-fi are the way they are that because they look nice. And and mm-hmm. and if you're not if you don't care about it how it looks or if you don't have if it's not in your living room and your wife needs to be okay with it or, or your husband if you're a female audiophile or whatever if if you don't have that restriction you can go nuts. We were looking at tap torn subwoofers. We were looking at spiral horn subwoofers. Mm-hmm. So it's a really cool resource. Uh, and then a quick search on Parts Express, I found. How many results is this? Uh, Two pages of results on Parts Express for plate subwoofer amplifiers that come with a crossover. Yeah. You know, Dayton Audio makes them. Um, There's many DSP-based ones. You said you didn't want a DSP. There's there's plenty that have no DSP. that are just crossover, volume, you know, get it done. Lots of power. I'll say if it was me in in that situation, I would entertain mini DSP in that in yeah. that situation yeah you know just because you get to mess with so much and then you don't have any phase you know distortion as well um and and then you get to you know you get to optimize some stuff in so that by phase there's a lot distortion, going on you mean like the crossover of of a, an analog crossover of a subwoofer always induces some sort of phase disruption if it's higher than than a single order crossover, yes. yeah, and they they always and are. they are, 
Always are. Yeah, single order is 6 dB per octave. And, Correct. And, and if you ever listen to that, that just goes so slow. It's like by the time that you don't hear it, it's way past the point that you've actually selected on the thing. Mm-hmm. So most of these subwoofer, you know, uh, low-pass crossovers are 12 yeah. or 24, right? Yeah, they're higher yeah. than a first-order crossover. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. I would just... I know that he, he, he specifically said he didn't want to get into that. Yep. I just think that in this specific application, it could become... Just for the bass. Very. Just for the bass. It right. could be very useful. Yeah. Just in, for the bass, though. Yeah. So, and dealing you know, with yeah. it, too. You, like, you might hit some nodes in that room that just make the room go nuts. That's a good point. And, and with the DSP, you'll be able to notch that out. And yeah. then bring levels up, and you'll actually have more impact because you're yeah. not in, avoiding that those frequencies totally. that just make the room go nuts. Totally. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, I don't know. It's something to entertain. They're affordable and they're very effective. Um, and then, uh, just to wrap up, you've had a lot of great experiences lately with um, pro audio uh, subwoofers because the drivers can can handle so much power. They do really well. Uh, in your system, you're using the tour grade Eminence mm-hmm. 18s, right, with the yep. neodymium magnets. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Um, you sent me a tour like a Eminence, I think Capolite uh, neo neodymium magnet Pro Audio subwoofer. Because I'm thinking about making another set of tap horns, maybe for my new house. Just maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm always kind of want to scratch that itch of, of build some speakers but um, yeah eminence is making some great stuff right now and then also jbl uh makes some awesome woofers in their upper end pro series yeah stuff yeah, yeah. so the the tour grade stuff will just like rock your world mm-hmm. um all right well well ryan you know thanks man for for listening thanks for sending us this we're a little jealous we wish you still lived in denver yeah so i want to go to one parties. of your parties man <laughs> but it sounds like we can't um but anyway thanks thanks for this question and uh and wish you all the best and and let us know how it goes um yeah so so thanks for the question again uh uh to our listening audience we we love questions um Mm -hmm. we love going in directions that we didn't expect to go or or wouldn't have thought of on our own we have an email address that's specifically for for questions, and and now actually we're asking for audio file tips. If anybody has mm-hmm. any anything they discovered that they like to do, um, send it to us. We'd love to talk about it, share it with the rest of the audience. You know, this is your chance to 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 really impact somebody else's journey yep. in this audio file hobby. So um, that email address is hi-fi at outlook dot com. It's it's horribly complex and difficult <laughs> to remember. No, hifioutlook.com. Uh, yeah, and you know, I mean, I I love that question because it's a an example of how, you know, there really aren't any restrictions within the topic of audio that you can ask us. I mean, I love, you know, escaping outside of just the standard, yeah. you know, two channel two channel uh, uh dedicated audio, listening room. Yeah, audio yeah. dedicated system. Yeah. Um, audio file de- dedicated system and um, and you know systems that are your third system or your second system where you know it's maybe for a different reason like maybe it's your maybe you want a system for your garage maybe you know when you're working on your car you want something fun in there you know there's we all need and want systems in other rooms that aren't yeah. necessarily going to be where you're you know taping where the speakers are positioned and all that right. you know you're 
it's more of a, a system to actually listen to music in some other environment, like a party or or working on working in your garage. So, so you know, ask us uh, ask us anything audio, you know, and we're gonna um, we're gonna try to answer it for you. Um, yep. That uh, that question also it reminded me of um, my friend um, Pete uh, who owned this uh, cabinet shop in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, actually used to buy La Scala's and recondition them. And, oh, yeah. And Pete would put this beautiful veneer on, on the La Scala's. So he would, he, would ta- he would buy, you know, these La Scala's that used to be in clubs and they just reeked of, of beer and cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and he would strip the, the black paint off of the, um, of the La Scala's and, and, and prep them for veneer. And then he would put just beautiful veneer on it and he would uh pile up uh you know and have three four pairs at a time and so what he used to do uh, the pairs that he would not be working on he would be listening to and so he had a um he had i won't get into the electronics but he basically had a a rack of amplifiers in and this was like a huge commercial space and workshop for his counter business he huh. he, okay. he made countertops and, and cabinetry okay um and so it was a giant commercial space with with 30 foot ceilings and um and a, just a giant warehouse kind of environment and what he did was he took he took uh, uh a pair of La Scala's spaced them apart uh in front of where he would work and then he took another pair and he inverted them to make them kind of like a MTM kind of configuration. Oh, oh, he flipped them yeah, upside he, down. The second pair on top oh, of that. Oh, wow. Okay. And then and then wired that in parallel. So I've heard of stacked quads. I've heard of stacked advents where you do the same thing, advent loudspeaker. I've never heard of stacked Lascalas. And so I was able to hear stacked Lascalas. Whoa. Yeah. With uh, with hundreds wow. of watts on on that. Whoa, dude. Um, and so that's something. that was uh, that was. I mean, it was. It's a PA system at that point, and yeah. so it sounds like a venue PA system. When I mean, we cool. were we we you know we didn't crank it for very long, but we had it. You know, it was cruising probably 105, 108 for yeah. just like no problem. You know, and you're <laughs> yeah. 20 feet away from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just feeling it. Jeez. So those speakers Crazy. play loud. I, I can't imagine. That's a lot of speaker in that small space, man. That's, yeah. that's a party room. Yeah, so, so, so. absorption and, and dial it in. You, I'm sure you <laughs> will. It's just going to be so much fun, and we're jealous. Uh, all right, thanks again, Ryan. Um, yep, hi-fi at outlook.com. Send your questions or your tips. And uh, with that, I believe it is time for our album. There it is, the drum roll. Album recommendation of the week. Okay, this being Christmas week, we've got a Christmas album for you. Finally, we've acknowledged our, our holiday album for for those of you who don't uh, celebrate Christmas exactly, but this is, I guess, more of the traditional Christmas favorites and that kind of thing. But um, you know, we can all get in the holiday spirit. What, what you know, despite uh, whatever we we celebrate, um, I don't know. It's just kind of a human thing in this country and. Geez, in this world, in this in this crazy time of 2020, with everything going on, mm. I, I think um, a lot of us have embraced this holiday season uh, as yeah. as kind of 
not only are we approaching the end of this year that we can just kind of ride off and be done with, um, but it's it's uh, it's a, a bringing together that we just really need. So um, yep. I'll let you introduce the the album because you you. Rec- you you suggested it was kind of the one I was thinking of too. So that happens to us a lot, I think. Um, or I can do it. I've got it pulled up. So um, it's it's Oscar Peterson Trio, correct? Is oh, that, is, is it, that what it's under? I was wondering. Um, I was wondering what the what the I, title was. Under. I don't know. There's a lot of players, and and it does say when I was looking up Lauren Lofsky on guitar, it says he's a member of the Oscar Peterson Quartet. But the name of the album is an Oscar Peterson Christmas. So it doesn't really say that it's like the trio. Or I was the, just wondering that because I didn't have yeah. it pulled up. <laughs> That's why I was just yeah wondering. yeah sure sorry I, I put you on the spot there but um but yeah Oscar, Oscar Peterson. Peterson Christmas album here you're gonna be able to yeah. uh, pull it up find it on Kobo's or title it's there yep and uh, and you know it's it's just uh it's just an amazing album I mean you know uh, this I, sounds I, you so you told me uh, t- Tell tell them like what you what you told me about yeah what I discovered about, about it. when when it was recorded and and his condition during this time yeah and so then so Oscar Peterson is just a giant in our in the jazz scene in the past and he's a he's a piano player and um, you know just a, a supremely talented jazz pianist and um, he had a stroke at one point um, and this album was recorded in 1995 after his stroke um now i don't have rune pulled up right now so i don't know if it was a year after his stroke or two years after his stroke but it was it was somewhat you know close to to when he had a stroke and the people the person that was writing about this album was remarking that you know to 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 real uh close listening oscar peterson faithful um they might notice a little bit different, uh, a little change in his presentation. But but what's really remarkable about this is that he cranks on this album, and you would never know that he had a stroke before he recorded it. And they said, you know, he'd he'd recovered, you know, most of his his previous faculty, but but uh, but it's you know it wasn't a hundred percent Oscar. God. I, I'm listening to this thing and he's just kicking my butt. I I, I was shocked when he shocked told me when that I told because you that. I yeah. I'm just uh, blown away with his playing on this album and yeah. it is under Oscar Peterson. I'm sorry, it's you know you know how that is with these jazz artists. You don't know whether it's under the quartet, whether it's or under the, the trio, yeah. whatever. Right. But it is just under Oscar Peterson. Yeah. Um, it's an Oscar Peterson Christmas is the name of the album. And yeah, so, uh, it is on title and Cobas and, um, yeah, I was blown away when I, when, when you told me that, man, yeah. I just can't, it, the level of playing it's, it's, uh, it's extremely high level. It's, it's, it's really amazing how musicians are able to, um, maintain their, uh, their skill level. Uh, when 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 they 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 age or they, go they get old yeah. a massive event like a yeah. stroke it's amazing how how much you know how much of it is actually muscle memory and, and just like ingrained in them yeah to the point where where maybe some other thing maybe even their talking ability yeah might is, have diminished has, has been right has been diminished a little bit but right. yet they can play music and um uh yeah, there there are many examples of this, but as people, you know, get get older, um, it's it's really incredible how that 
can be maintained. Um, you know, uh, let's talk about the sound of this album for a minute. It's, it's one of those that, that, and it's the type of album that we like to bring to you guys, uh, is the type of album that shows up bigger and bigger as you put it on a better and better sound system. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 very impressive on any sound system, but but it's not every album that you put it on a really dialed in, phase coherent, like well dialed system, and and it just like has something special to it. And uh, this is one of those for sure. Um, you were playing it just a minute ago, and I was just I thought it was a different album. You know, I I'm just always amazed at, at how good it sounds in here and and uh, and what it does on your on your Dunlavy and DIY subwoofer system with with your incredible front end. You've got this prototype and digital analog converter from PS Audio. That's just you know their their next you know huge thing that they're doing and and it's and you've got your BHK amp and your BHK preamp and just like a it's just a huge system and some stuff just like takes to a good system, you know, this is one of those albums. Like, like, yeah. like a pig to, I don't know. <laughs> shit, it's I also guess. timeless. I mean, mud puddles, you know, you never, it just, this, this album has that, that feeling like you can just listen to it every Christmas for the every rest of Christmas. Your life. Yeah. It's never going to get, this old. is always in my yeah, rotation. It's always going to yeah, be there. Since you showed this album to me, it's in my yeah. rotation. So. so check it out. There's a lot of Christmas albums we wanted to bring to you guys. Um, but this one won this out. This was the top just, pick. It's just a classic. Yeah. And you, you need to have this in your library. And if you don't put it in your library, listen to it for the rest of the week. And then, and then we can move on to, New Year's music. We can get on to other stuff. I don't know. Yep. Maybe all your friends or your family are sick of your Christmas music by now, but they're going to love this album for the rest of this week. And uh, anyway, it's so in- it's always interesting learning about the actual record because I, you know, I I've listened to this for years yeah. and I didn't know that that it was recorded in '95. Like yep. you just like you blew my mind with that. I thought that this was actually something that he did earlier. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, and then there's the fact that he went through what he went through, and I'll never look at the album the same. I mean, that's just it's just amazing. That's really great. It reminds me of um, of uh, some stuff that Arthur Rubinstein did, um, who you know was renowned for being one of the best uh, um, uh, musicians of reproducing and 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 playing uh. Uh, Chopin and um, it, he, uh, up to the 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 uh, few years that he, before he died, he was able to still play at his peak, even though mm. uh, he could barely see. Um, and he was, uh, I believe, he was in his nineties when he passed away, but he was still doing concerts. Wow! And uh, to the point where they would, um, he would ask for them to walk him out to the stage before the show started to show him where the piano was. Yeah. And then he gets in front of it and he plays our, you know, yeah. an hour plus of, yeah, that's of, cool. of Chopin by memory. Right. You know, so it just, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's struck. Fast, this guy yeah. went through a stroke. His stroke and was in 19, this level. He had a stroke in 1993. 
And so this was That's, two years later, um, and this was actually the first work that he recorded after the stroke. Yeah. So so yeah, for for Darren and me to be impacted, not knowing that, and then finding that out, uh, we 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 think you're just gonna love this. But it just shows you something amazing about Oscar and and his uh, incredible ability, you know. So. All right. Here you go. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, you know we. We uh, covered a few topics today, and we really just wanted to bring you a fun one for um, Christmas season. We uh, in the holiday season, we, you know, we we really enjoyed our time with um, with Chris Brunhaver last week, and we do plan to do a part two of yes, the the focus on speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it'll be next week. We're just gonna have to work it out with Chris. We'll figure it out. But um, but anyway. Uh, I don't know. We just we just appreciate all the support and, and thanks for listening. Uh, it seems like every week we get a couple emails that are just like so glowing and and uh, and it, and it kind of encourages us a lot to to keep doing this. So yeah. we're glad people are enjoying it. Um, but with that, this has been another episode of the High Five Podcast with Darren and Duncan. I am Duncan. I'm Darren, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Bye. The Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan is produced by Darren Myers and Duncan Taylor and is copyright 2020 of Slope Productions. The intro and outro music is provided by Denver's Color Red Studios and features the song Bangs by the band Many Colors.